Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let's talk some basketball. Why don't we talk about the parade? Golden State had their parade yesterday, and to say that it lived up to the hype would be a major understatement. It had everything. Clay Thompson rocking a boat captain's hat after losing his original hat. Draymond taking a mid-parade break from getting blasted and F-bombing people to get ice cream. Clay accidentally trucking a female fan. Steph rocking a chain with his rings and carrying all of his trophies from last or from this year. Clay talking about his breakfast. Jordan Poole with a squirt gun and more clay. And when I tell you there were sound bites for days, I mean there were sound bites for days. With most championship parades, you're lucky if you get one. Like maybe you get a Jason Kelsey letting it rip in a mummer's costume. Or a Corey Crawford dropping a few F-bombs. If you're lucky. That's if you're lucky. But yesterday's parade was more than all that. It was a continuation of the celebration that started in Boston Thursday and a continuation of the score settling that might never end. Case in point, starting with Draymond, walking during the parade, drinking Lobos, and telling everybody to shut up. What do you got to say, Mama? I got nothing to say. Shut up. We're drinking Lobos and telling y'all to shut up. And then Draymond got the mic on stage, and then Draymond started to get loose. I'm just trying to think of the most controversial thing I can say. <laughs> like the media, like they do, you know? Um, I don't know what y'all want me to tell you. That we better than everybody? <laughs> you won't from me. No, this is um, this has been an amazing year. Uh, I told y'all don't let us win a f-ing championship, and clearly nobody could stop it. Um, I warned y'all, so I'm just going to continue to destroy people on Twitter, as I have been, um, and Instagram stories. Draymond, <laughs> my man. In other words, nothing has changed. He welcomed you back to the Warriors Invitational, and now you're going to have to hear from him a lot. You know, all that crap that people are throwing at him for his podcast, for his talking, for him being washed. Yeah, well, that's not stopping. He's not stopping. In fact, he is only going to get louder, and it's only going to get better. And he is going to keep taking runs and, quote, destroying people on Twitter, Instagram, and any other social media platform that he can find. Oh, and one other thing. He had one other thing that he wanted to make very clear before he left the stage. As always, everybody else. I love y'all. As always, F everybody else. I love y'all. As always, everybody else. I love y'all. Now, Clay. Clay's different. Clay had... The cooler and calmer head. The head that was rocking a perfect sea captain's hat. He stepped in and actually did chastise Draymond. I mean, just, uh, you know, real mature Draymond. This guy is the maturity level of a third grader. But anyways. uh... How about him chasing Draymond and all his F-bombs with and uh, real mature Draymond. 
He's got the maturity of a third grader. Maturity level of a third grader. These guys are the absolute best. And then Clay got real. He told everybody what winning another title meant, especially given what he's been through. Given what he's been through, he talked about some of the most special moments in the aftermath of that win. And those moments were getting a standing ovation from the staff at the breakfast place that he went to and taking photos with old ladies. I mean, just going to breakfast Saturday morning and seeing um, everybody in the neighborhood just so excited and getting a standing ovation from the chef, from the, the waiters, everybody. Like, that's what it's about right there is those little wins. Sean Livingston would always tell me about the little wins during my rehab, and that's something I just will take for the rest of my life or just the small things in life that just inspire you to keep going, whether it's uh, taking a picture with a old lady or a young kid. Like... Dub Nation has no bounds, and we have fans from all walks of life. This dude. Man, how do you not love this guy? If you got a problem with Clay, your life just did not turn out the way you hoped it would. How do you not love that guy? There is only one Clay Thompson. One day, he's crushing clowns and calling other players bums. The next day, he's getting fired up about getting love from the waitstaff and telling Draymond how immature he is. The rest of the team nearly died when he said that getting a standing O from the chef and the waiters is what it's all about. And that's real. Like, that's not an act. He really does believe in those moments. He really does believe that after having the biggest win of his life, that the little wins are the ones that matter most. I'll bet you that guy getting that standing O at his breakfast place really was, in fact, one of the biggest moments of winning that title. And if he got an extra side of toast from the chef... That's even better than a fourth ring. I mean, this is what's real and true about Clay Thompson. There's no one like him and no one better. But of course, there is no way to recap that parade without hearing from the king himself. The self-proclaimed petty king, Steph. Steph was all about it. Steph's up here with a chain with his three rings on it, and he did want to remind the world of something. I mean, I had to bring, I had to bring the jewelry back out. I don't look at it during the year. That's a flex. It's got to be the motivation. But every so once in a while, you got to remind yourself. You got to remind yourself. You got to fall. I love it. He said, that's a flex. That's a flex. Hell, yes, it is. He also hit Twitter with a photo of himself holding on to the All-Star Game MVP trophy, the Western Conference Finals MVP trophy, the Finals MVP trophy, all while smoking a cigar and with the caption, quote, what they're going to say now. Yeah, I don't know, King. I don't know what they're going to say now, but whatever they say now, you can just remind them that you've got four. Ah! Ah! I don't know what they'll say. I just know they'll say something because, quote, they always say something. There's always something. And whatever they say, I know that you will take note, and I know you'll convert that to fuel and look to snatch souls once again next season. And then hit them all with a night-night when it's over. Before you leave, can we get one more night-night for the camera, my guy? Hey, just so you know, when it's over. And the mic drops. Hold on, this is like the naughty stick. And the mic drops. And the mic drops. Championship parades rarely live up to the hype, 
But that one right there smashed it. And now you've all got a reminder that these dudes are not going anywhere. They're already thinking about running it back. And as good as they were during this run, they know they can be better. Steph said as much on this show yesterday when he appeared. As good as winning feels, they're already taking notes and converting all of the hate into premium fuel. And it sounds like, ah! <laughs> I can't hit that note. I can't hit that note at this point in my life like he can. I don't even know why I try. I think even trying takes six months off my life. (laughs) I had the Petty King on the show yesterday. And I said, how you doing, Steph? And he said, (laughs) no, he didn't. I did ask him, though, how long the Warriors Invitational was going to last. I mean... I've already started to kind of imagine you add a, a healthy James Wiseman. You try to bring everybody that played a key role in, in our success this year, bring them back. We got, uh, like you said, Bob Myers has done an amazing job putting a, a competitive team, the right pieces together. I know we have some, some decisions on extensions and signings and stuff like that, but all those decisions are made a lot easier when you win. And so you know, hopefully we have a good summer on that front. We can retool. And like you said, I, we, I think Andrew Wiggins said it, uh, and I love that it came from him knowing you know, his journey and now that he's, a, he's stamped and he's, he's a champ now. Um, even yesterday in his, his media availability, he said, you know, we can be even better next year. And that hasn't been something that we've all talked about as a group. It's just individually we all can feel that, this is a, an amazing accomplishment, but we have an opportunity to kind of run it back and, and continue to dominate. So we're going to do everything in our pride to make that, make that a reality, too. All right, two thoughts on that. Number one, that was prior to the parade. That's when he appeared on this show in the Open yesterday, prior to the parade, prior to the Lobos, and prior to... Ah! It's getting worse, isn't it? Long, for me, I mean. He, sound, he sounds amazing. That's great. Long live the petty king. Emperor. <laughs> Emperor is bigger than king, right? Czar. All of the above. Frankly, I didn't want that petty parade to ever end. I wanted those buses to head directly to Memphis to see Clay's freaking bums. Freaking bum. Freaking clown. Freaking clown. And then I want them to finish the Petty Parade in Brooklyn right there on Katie's front yard. Draymond can blast his Petty podcast in the front yard and crank Tom Petty in the backyard. Sorry, association. They, wait for it, Alvy. they won't back down. Love Tom Petty. Hey, sorry, association. The Warriors won't be this good forever. However, the waiting is the hardest part. Keep going with that, Alvin. I think I could sing back up on this. Go ahead. I think I can harmonize this. Ah! Such a good parade. I'm really sorry that had to end. 1-800-636-8686. You know what the Warriors said? Yeah, Draymond. Draymond basically said F you to everybody, not them. But the more even-keeled 
wiser. Well, I don't want to say that Draymond's not wise. He is wise. He's just vociferous. Dude, this guy on Spectrum News looks like you, Alvy. Look at that. Kind of, sort of, not really. Anyway. Dude, dude. Dude, dude. The Warriors as a team said, hey, listen. Hey, NBA. Don't come around, come around here no more. Don't come around here no more. Yeah, I'm sorry. I had that one locked and loaded. Then I looked up at the screen and I saw you on TV. I'm like, wait, well, what's going on? <laughs> You're both across the glass and on Spectrum News 1. You know what the NBA needs, most of all? Another dance with Mary Jane. It does. It just does. The NBA, Alvin, needs another dance with Mary Jane. You know what you should do when I ask for something that's not there? Swear that Dana White music. Thank you very much. (laughs) Alvin's back in the box. Still knocking off some of the rust. You know what the problem is? When Golden State wins like that, and they have a parade like that, and they feel like they're coming together, and there's still even more they can get to, and they can play even better, you know what that means to the rest of the NBA? The rest of the NBA is free-falling. Old man Ritz having the best day of his life. Maybe I can play some Kenny Loggins for you, Ritt. Holy crap, Alvin, you did not. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried out tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper Witcher Beef. Eric Armstead is my guest. Eric, good to have you back. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, I want to ask you about Golden State for a minute. They had their championship parade yesterday, and as part of one Bay Area team looking at another, when you see a parade like that, what kind of thoughts do you have, and do you picture yourself and your teammates having a similar Super Bowl parade? Yeah, it's definitely inspiring, you know, uh, seeing those guys celebrate and seeing what a championship does for the city and the Bay Area as a whole. Um, you know, people take a lot of great pride in, in our sports teams there. And so, you know, if we were able to bring a championship, um, that would definitely be a special moment. And another city would go crazy for sure. They certainly did yesterday. That was great. Listen, I mentioned your stats off the very top. So you're coming off a huge regular season. And then also a postseason run where you had three sacks, five quarterback hits. You had nine tackles. And you had six sacks in the final five games. What I'm getting at is you had a big impact when it mattered most. How did it feel to dominate and play the way you did when your team needed it? Uh, it felt great. You know, um, 
you know, down the stretch of the season, you know, I wanted to uh, obviously be impactful and, um, you know, be the reason and help us win games. And um, I definitely, you know, felt like I did that. And uh, so it definitely felt great. You know, I kind of proved to myself that, you know, I could, you know, play, um, you know, play big in those moments and, you know, something uh, I'm looking to continue doing. Eric Armstead is joining us. So back in January when you and I spoke, we talked about the fact that you moved inside. And when you did that, the run defense really took off. D coordinator D'Amico Ryans talks about how unselfish you were for making that move. Let me ask you, did that feel unselfish to you, or is that pretty much what a leader and a captain is supposed to do and does do in that situation? Yeah, I felt like it was my responsibility, you know. Um, when the coaches come to you, ask you to do something, and, uh, you know, they feel it's best for the team, you know, that's that's your responsibility to do it and uh, try to do it at the best uh, of your ability. It's kind of rare that you move a defensive end to defensive tackle and uh, your run defense goes up with a quote-unquote smaller body in there. But, um, you know, I was able to do it and, you know, play at a high level and, um, you know, kind of get us going. Eric Armstead is joining us. You know, your father, Gus, trained basketball players in Sacramento, and he told The Athletic that when you were young, you'd come along and you'd see guys like Matt Barnes and Bobby Jackson work out. What do you remember about those times? I mean, did you learn things back then that have stayed with you since then? Yeah, for sure. I learned, uh, learned a lot growing up uh, being around professional athletes, like some of the names you just mentioned. And, um, you know, I really think I learned my, my work ethic at a uh, young age, you know, I used to be mad uh, when my dad would leave me at the house um, and I, you know, overslept and didn't get my opportunity to go to, to the gym that day to be around those guys. And so just being around them and seeing, um, you know, how hard work pays off. Um, you know, I was, I knew those guys when, you know, they were fresh out of college, you know, going through the, the D League at the time, playing in all these random cities and then, you know, signing 10-day contracts and, um, so I really saw the whole entire process and how much hard work pays off. And, um, you know, they've gone on to have amazing careers. And so being a, being around that as a young age definitely, um, you know, impacted me in a, in a great way. I was just going to say, seeing all that at a young age must have been amazing. Eric Armstead joining us. And then you and Nick Bosa have played 41 games together now, and you've combined for 54 and a half sacks in those games. So how would you describe the chemistry that the two of you have on the field, and how much does each guy make the other guy's job easier? Yeah, me and, uh, me and Nick definitely have a great chemistry. Um, obviously, you know, playing with great players, um, helps you. Uh, I think me and Nick, um, you know, go out there and, and try to dominate together for sure. Um, and then also too, I don't think people realize that we, uh, when, when both of us are out there, we have to, uh, strategically come up with ways to, you know, uh, beat three and four blockers, um, at times, you know, they're sending chips and sending, uh, you know, the slide to us and all these things. And, you know, we have to put our heads together and come up with ways to defeat it. And, um, you know, we're both, you know, talented players, but also um, we take the mental approach very important too. So preparing for the games and preparing for what the teams are going to throw at us um, is definitely very important as well. Talking Niner football, Eric Armstead, my guest. So I had a number of your teammates on the show during Super Bowl week, and it was clear how much admiration and even love they have for Jimmy Garoppolo. A couple of months back, you made the point that Jimmy, quote, saved us. It's so clear how much everybody in that locker room loves and appreciates him. Why do you feel like the fans and the media don't feel the same way? 
Uh, it's an interesting question. You know, I think um, um, I think that you know we've been close, you know, to the to the top of the mountain uh, sometimes, and um, I feel that um, you know, obviously, when uh, you don't, when you don't, you know, win the Super Bowl, then you know people start to point their fingers and question why and look for reasons why. Um, and sometimes they're really, you know, it's not too many reasons, you know, just not everyone can, can win each year. And so, um, I think, you know, he's probably number one, uh, the quarterback position is obviously very important. And so he, he becomes the number one prime suspect of, you know, why, uh, why we can't get over the hump. Um, is it fair? I wouldn't say no. Uh, I would say no, it's not fair. Um, I think, you know, Jimmy's a great quarterback, um, and uh, like I said, you know, I was on the part of a lot of losing seasons, you know, before you joined our team. And uh, he brought a, uh, a sense of a new refound energy um, and, and faith, you know, in that position, you know, to help us win. And I think he's obviously proven that, um, you know, he's a, he's a phenomenal quarterback and uh, can win games. So. Eric Armstead joining us. It's a strong defense. At the same time, you've also said that you do like Trey Lance's demeanor. You like the way he's handled himself as a rookie. So how excited are you or are you for what he can do? And then how do you think he shows up when he does fully take over? Um, I'm really excited. You know, I love what I saw out of him um, in OTAs. You know, granted, it was, you know, a lot of seven-on-seven. And, you know, the you know only time will tell. Um, but I think he has the – the right demeanor. He has a, a extremely high ceiling and a, an amazing skill set uh, to be successful. Um, I think he goes about things the right way, and I think when you have that combination, it usually turns into a pretty amazing player. So I'm expecting great things from him. Um, I'm excited, you know, to see what he's going to do. Um, but he's not alone when he takes the field. You know, our team is uh, very talented, and uh, it's not not just the Trey Lance show. Um, he's surrounded by a lot of talented great players and we're all we're all going to go out there and um do what we can you know to to help us win games uh, it's not just going to be on his shoulders talking to eric armstead for a couple of more moments i want to ask you the team flew you to vegas for the nfl draft you did a great video on youtube about the entire experience one of the things you did was treat yourself to a cheat meal at skinny fats how did that go for you and generally what is your approach to cheat meals how often do you allow yourself to have them <laughs> for sure yeah i'm a big foodie i don't know if people know that uh about me so it's definitely uh a happy happy medium and happy balance when uh you're trying to work out and um you know you're you're also you know have nutrition is very important to be a professional athlete but also you know i feel like in life you gotta you know treat yourself and enjoy yourself uh when you do work hard um so you know my celebration i rub my stomach and I'll let everybody know I'm hungry. Uh, so that's kind of on and off the field. So I have fun with it. Uh, I enjoy my enjoy my cheat meals. I work uh, extremely hard. And, um, you know, at, from time to time, I reward myself uh, with, you know, probably some things that, you know, I shouldn't be eating all the time for sure. So uh, I definitely had a lot of fun with it. All right, so like you said, you have to reward yourself for your achievements. You were recently named the recipient of the Dwight Clark Legacy Award which is obviously an enormous name, and it was presented to you by Patrick Willis, another big name. What did it mean to you to win the award honoring Dwight Clark and then to receive it from Patrick Willis? Yeah, I was super honored. Um, 
you know, to be mentioned in the, the same light as Dwight Clark um, and what I've been able to learn about him throughout the years. I was fortunate enough to meet him once, um, but what I've been able to learn from him, that he was an amazing teammate um, and really a, a, a catalyst for bringing those teams together in their, uh, you know, their Super Bowl runs. Um, so it's definitely a huge honor. And then also, too, getting presented by uh, Patrick Willis, who is a guy that, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch his highlights on YouTube when he had the club at uh, Ole Miss, and he was dumping people in their head and, and getting all these tackles. So um, getting an award from him was definitely amazing, too. Hey, ask you one more thing. You're a food guy. We all know this. Are you a car guy? And I bring this up because as part of that trip to Vegas, you actually got behind the wheel. You didn't drive the car, I don't think, but one of the all-time rigs. And car people know about the Bugatti. Bugatti's an amazing car. However, Eric, you're not a small guy playing the D-line. What was it like to get inside that car? Yeah, the car is definitely not made for, for someone like me. Um, but uh, it's definitely amazing. You know, I think Bugatti's, you know, they range from $1.5 million to, you know, the really rare ones go up to, you know, 3 or $4 million. So, um, so even, you know, being a car, um, being a car like that, you know, something that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily pay for. But, uh you know, one of those supercars and, you know, a dream car that everyone, um, you know, kind of aspired to, to attain. Um, you know, it's pretty cool. You know, super fast, had like like 300 miles on the dash. Um, so it was definitely a cool, fun experience. I'm more into luxury cars, you know, comfort that are made for my size. But uh, experiencing those supercars and those really fast cars is, is also fun. So what are you rolling in, like an S65 or something else? Bentley? Yeah, what do you like? yeah, for sure. Definitely uh, cruising in something, you know, big body, a little more a little more comfortable for me. Did you ever notice, like, once you get in a car like that, have you ever tried to go back? It's This is, I mean, I shouldn't have this conversation, but being a guy back in the day, I know that once you get to a certain level and a certain horsepower, it's almost impossible to go back. Have you tried that? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a little tough. Um, you know, once you once you go to that level, they, that's what they say. You know, if you can't can't afford it, don't do it because you're gonna be scrambling to 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 try to afford it because you're not gonna want to go back down and downgrade. So um, it's definitely definitely it's, tough. But you know, I've been blessed, and you know, I'm gonna try to keep it going. Yeah, you earned it. Like you said, with certain achievements, you can reward yourself. But it's more of like, I mean, you want the life, you want the look, but it's really the feeling, man. Once you get a taste of that power, it's hard to go back. Eric Armstead, my guest, defensive line with the 49ers, coming off a tremendous season. Eric, always good to have you on the show. Great conversation. I appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Um, talk to you soon. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. So if you still have to rip a golden ticket, you better get busy right now. Hey, and by the way, this is really important. Having a golden ticket already does not guarantee you will get on the air Friday. Also, holding a ticket right now does not guarantee that you'll even be holding that ticket by the end of the week. Because you can't just sit and coast on a golden ticket. Like I said, we do not respect 
campers. We do not respect people that never shoot at the pin. We do not respect people who are laying up. We do not respect people who are just trying to keep it in the fairway. It's dangerous. You're playing not to lose. Playing not to lose will get that thing snatched the hell back. Because you only sound better than somebody receiving a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. It's the sound of somebody getting a golden ticket ripped right out of their hands. You tell me, what's a better sound? Potentially, that's going to happen to a lot of people tomorrow. Because tomorrow is what's known as golden ticket D-Day. Tomorrow there could be a golden ticket bloodbath in the jungle. So I'm talking to you, current golden ticket holders, James in Portland, John in New York, Stephen in Orlando, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, Danica in Jacksonville, Paul in Buffalo's Dog, Drizzle in Wichita, Chris in Southeast Wisco, and Rex in SLO. Again, having a golden ticket does not guarantee that you will have one tomorrow. And if you want to roll the dice and risk not solidifying that position, that is on you. And if we're being real here, I think that the Rover and the dude in directional Wisconsin are the only ones who can sleep soundly tonight. The rest of you are going to find out tomorrow whether or not you've done enough to stay in the field. Unless you call today and you remove any doubt. Because tomorrow is golden ticket D-Day. Those are pretty much the options. It's totally up to you. Just know, if you sit back and you take that ticket for granted, I probably will chopper that thing. And it's going to sound like this. D-Day tomorrow for the golden ticket class. And then on top of that, if you're a watch lister, you're an even bigger bleep right now because including today you only have three more shows to get off the watch list and into the field so heads up to dan in denver john in little rock mark in el paso sean in wichita and the very mysterious scott nocal if any of you want in you need to get in right now clock is ticking fellas also, believe it or not, it's not too late to submit a smack off prediction video for us to get on the air on CBS Sports Network. All you have to do is make sure that it's suitable to air on CBS Sports Network. In other words, 15 seconds, horizontal, make your prediction, leave out your homemade porn, profanity, vulgarity, violence, drug, alcohol use. Send it to smackoffvideos at gmail.com. And you will then be on national television. It's that simple, but you got to get it done right now. In fact, we actually had a very wild submission to smackoffvideos at gmail.com this week. It actually was not a video at all. Barely a prediction at all. In fact, I don't really know what the hell it was or what to call it. So I'm just going to let the guy who did it set it up for me. Dino in Vegas set up his submission with the following email, quote, Hey, Rome, Chalk, I have not made a smack off or I have not made a video prediction for the smack off. I did, though, rework a song by Jim's favorite band, The Replacements. I barely had to change the words to Here Comes a Regular to make it smack off related. I shortened it to the first two verses and one chorus, and yet it's still two minutes. 
I played all the instruments. Well, the drums were played by my Casio. And I made sure to make it more authentic by being hammered when I sang it. Enjoy. Dino in Vegas. All right, so before I play this, it's, it is my favorite band, arguably, The Replacements. Top three, anyway. And the song that he's talking about is a famous song off one of their best albums, so I'm very uh, aware of it, very familiar with it. If that does not pique your interest, I've got no idea that would. What would? So let me get out of the way and see what the hell Dino in Vegas came up with from the home studio where he played every instrument himself except for the drums. He let Casio handle that. So here's Dino's replacements cover. Here come the legends. playing that album let give him his day you know what i always say dino give me an a or give me an f which is why i don't want you to take this the wrong way because when i say that was an f that was an f but i love the idea of an f that's what i always say give me an a or give me an f c minus doesn't do me a damn thing that's an f brah but but that said it's an f brah but that said i love the idea i love the hustle I love that you played all the instruments, except the drums. I love that you went all in and got hammered for it. I love that hammered energy. My guy Westerberg would also love that hammered energy. It's just that it was, well, unlistenable. And I can't even make out the lyrics, which is understandable because you are hammered. But just for some context... For the clones that don't know the replacements or don't know the song, I know exactly where he was going with it because it's off one of my favorite albums ever. But for those of you who do not know, this is the way that song is supposed to sound. Well, that bleep is nice. That bleep is nice. 
I will always rep that band, even though Westerbrook stabbed me in the back on this show. But we, we made it right. We're good. So, Dino, if you want to go back, keep that up, Alvin. I love that. That, that makes me happy. That puts me in a good headspace. You got to understand about this band, too, though. That, that's really out of character, that song. That's... That's a flex. That's range. That's not how they sound. That's a beautiful song. That's a famous song. First time I heard that song, I immediately thought, Cheers. Sounds like Cheers. Except the theme. Except a million times better. Dino, the first thing I would do if I were to make an adjustment to what you did, I would make yours sound like this. Because yours sounds nothing like this. Granted, they were a world-class band when they were sober. And even when they weren't. And probably had access to better things than your Casio. And Westerberg, for as drunk as he may have been at times, was a brilliant frontman and lyricist. I mean, that's nice, right? So, Dino, good job. Good hustle, man. You wrecked one of my favorite songs ever. But I, but I appreciate the energy. This is why I love smack-off season. I love that F. And Dino, if it sounds like I'm here to kill you, I'm not. I'm here to praise you. Only in smack-off season do you get stuff like that. I love people sending random bleep in. Like Ricky in Seattle submitting that homemade SmackDown promo. Previous SmackDown winners can call on June 24th. If I had that guy's voice, I would have been in the Hall of Fame probably 15 years earlier. SmackDown, SmackDown, SmackDown. So what I'm saying is I love it when you guys get creative, even when it ends up cringe as hell. See what I'm saying? Especially when it ends up cringe as hell. I want to know how many Mats fans are listening right now. Like hardcore Mats fans like me. Because there's probably about 50 of you. And only you can really understand what happened right there. Dino even understands because Dino Dino knew enough to know to try that. So Dino knows. Deep down, Dino knows how he butchered that song. But it's all right. It's better than all right. Give me an A or give me an F. <laughs> if, if not for my band and the energy, here comes the legend would have been retitled Here Comes the Buzzer. But I just respected it. Hey, Dino, I got something for you. That that was not a hard... Look, I'm not saying that was easy, but you got to be honest. That song is not that hard to do if you're you. You want to really flex on me? Go get me some Rise Against. I want to hear something electric from you, bro. Get some Rise Against. Get something really angry. Little political. Love Rise Again still. All right, so if any of you have any bizarre smack-off related creations that you've been too scared to send in, hey, get over it. <laughs> Look what that guy just did. And he lived to talk about it. Now, granted, he was smart enough to do it with my favorite band. But if you have something like that in you, get it in before it's too late. I want to hear them all. The big day is only three days off. Hitman Canadian says, my ears, signed Yoko. 
And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback that you've earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations do apply. Tyler Conklin is my guest. Tyler, it's good to have you on. How are you? Jim, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. My good. voice is a little raspy from uh, running around chasing kids all weekend, but you're all right. Dude, I feel you. Me too. My voice is a little raspy because I've been imitating Steph Curry saying, Ah! <laughs> Tyler, you, trust me, dude, you are in much younger and in much better shape. An old guy like me should not be running around like that. Listen, so let me ask you. I've had a number of your teammates on the show this offseason, guys who come from other teams to join the Jets. So I'm curious, in your case, what was it about the opportunity with the Jets that appealed to you the most? Yeah, I think there was a couple of things. Uh, I was familiar with, with the offensive system and, um, you know, Coach LaFleur being from uh, the Niners and the way they use, you know, George and, and Juice. And uh, I just I thought it was a really good really good fit for me in an offense that I'm comfortable playing with and running the outside zone and you know an offense that, that features tight ends. Tyler Conklin. Um, on, top of, on top of that, I just thought you know a young team that's that's talented and you know an environment I wanted to you know be a part of. I like that. Sorry to jump on you like that. I like that. I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about like the environment that you mentioned. Does it feel to you? Tyler, like a rebuilding project, or when you see the injection of talent both in free agency and the draft, does it feel like you guys can turn this thing around pretty quickly and make some noise this season? Yes, it definitely feels like we can can turn things around quickly and make some noise. I think uh, it is an awesome job, obviously in free agency and in the draft. And you know, after going through OTAs, as, you know, as a team, we just there's a lot of talent out there. We you know we have fun playing together. It's, it's a good locker room and. Um, no, it's just I think we have a lot of promise. Tyler Conklin's my guest. You said part of the reason also for signing with the Jets was you liked Zach Wilson coming out of BYU. What did you see in him that got your attention? So, uh, obviously the arm talent. He can make all the throws, the arm angles. But I just I thought um, his athleticism and mobility was, was huge, especially for a tight end. Just the amount of hidden yardage, you know, him getting out of the pocket and, you know, stick turns into a, you know, 40-yard gain down the field and just the opportunity for him to extend plays and on top of that make all the different throws he's got to make on the football field. Um, you know, and just to be a, around a young, hungry, you know, quarterback that, that wants to make a name for himself, I thought it was a good fit. Jets tight end Tyler Conklin, my guest. So last season, as I mentioned, was enormous for you and the fact that you started 15 games. You made the most of the opportunity. You had the biggest season of your career. How much pride was there in the fact that when your number was called, you were able to deliver time and time again? Yeah, you know, it's kind of how my whole career kind of went. I mean, I was a walk-on at Central Michigan. I had to wait my turn. Uh, you know, I get to the NFL as a fifth-round pick, and you know, I knew how good I could be and how you know how talented I was, but you know, I just had to, to wait my turn. And we had obviously Kyle Rudolph, a Pro Bowler, and they, they draft Irv in the second round. So I just had to, you know, be ready when it came. And I think everything happened for a reason. You know, the opportunity coming when it did, after getting a chance at the end of my third year to play, and you know, going in again to start a whole season. I think everything worked out perfectly. <laughs> Tyler, I think there's more to the story for those who don't know than you just walking on at Central Michigan. Those who know your story know this, but for those who don't, you started out on a basketball scholarship at Division II Northwood. What was that experience like, and then what led you to transfer and then walk on to play football at Central Michigan? Yeah, well, I 
to make a long story short, but uh, you know, coming out of high school, we weren't very good at football. Going to my senior year, we were 0 and 27. You know, we were a good basketball school. We, you know, um, and I love basketball and I ended up signing early signing period before I even played my senior year of basketball. I just had a, a full ride scholarship and kind of jumped on it. And once I got there, I just felt like I sold myself short a little bit. I should have been playing um, at a higher level. And uh, after my first, like, I think I played my first seven games as a true freshman there. And I, you know, started calling coaches and Central Michigan recruited me a little bit out of high school. So I called them up and they said I could, I could come out for spring. But they didn't guarantee me a chance on the 105, so I went out there in the spring and I played receiver, and then they ended up actually moving me to DN for a really short amount of time, which was uh, interesting. And then <laughs> I ended up finally getting to tight end and um, and making it stick. So. Yeah, but when you finally got to tight end, what were you on the tight end depth chart? I think I was the eighth guy out of eight guys. We had uh, two seniors, a uh, junior that. You know, uh, was had a, a really good senior year, and then there's a guy in my class, and then two freshmen that got in there a year before me, or two younger guys that got in there a year before me. I think they're freshmen. Right. So now seven or eight. All right, so you're, you're seven out of seven, eight out of eight, but you believe in yourself, you keep grinding, then you finally get your chance, and then you break your foot. And then you've got to come back from that, too. So, like, I understand this is just the way it is, and this is part of your journey, but how did you maintain that combination of patience and resilience where you had to keep battling back? Like, where does that come from? Yeah, the the foot one, the foot situation was hard because after my, my junior year, I feel like I put myself in a good spot. Agents are, talk, agents are talking to you, and then you're feeling good about where, you know, where you're at and excited to have a senior year. And the first day of camp, first one-on-one, I have a Jones fracture, and um, – it was it was hard. I just I didn't know if I was gonna be able to come back that year. I didn't know if I was gonna be able to redshirt because I already transferred and had to wait a year. And uh, I ended up kind of rushing it back and you know doing anything I could research wise to because a lot of people had Jones fractures and rebroke them. And um, I actually had a one I had a game like grace period where if I came back and rehurt I could still redshirt. They ended up giving me that news. But if I uh, came back and I was healthy I could I could keep playing. But if I played that game and got hurt later then I was done. And I ended up, you know, playing that first game back, had a good game, and finished out the rest of the season healthy. And uh, I don't know what kind of was. Just a, I think I've always just firmly believed since I was a little kid that I was going to be a professional athlete. I thought it was basketball at one point. Obviously, that wasn't the case. But uh, I think it was just the, the belief that it was it was going to happen, and uh, just kind of willing it into into reality. I was going to say a little manifest, manifestation there. You willed that into reality like it happened. You put in the work. You got to the NFL. You're a professional athlete. You get this contract with the Jets. So what's your mindset now? Do you feel like, all right, it, it happened. It worked. I finally arrived. Or do you take your approach or an approach of, i got to put myself all over again. I have to start all over again. What's your mindset now? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different – and I think I'm hungrier than ever now just uh, – I feel like I had a decent year, and you know, I have so much more to prove. I feel like that was my first year I had a chance to really, um, you know, play in the NFL in a sense. I was a tight end three for the first three years of my career and special teams, and I feel like I, you know, have so much to prove still. And uh, I feel like the sky's the limit. I can do. You know, I feel like I can put up numbers and, and do things that no one expects, and I'm excited to. I'll go prove everybody that I can. All right, so before I let you go, New York obviously is a very different market. It's a very different environment. Jets fans have been through some really lean years, tough years. You know how badly they want to win. What would it mean to you to be a part of building a winner in New York? And what's that market feel like to you so far? I know it's early. 
Yeah, just being there during OTAs the last two and a half months, I realized how big of the market, how big the market was, and I also realized just how great of a fan base the Jets fans have, and you know, we want to win just as bad as they want us to win, if not more, and we want to bring, uh, you know, a winning team, a playoff team, a championship team to New York, and I don't think there would be any better place to to do it than the New York, and yeah, any better place to do it than in New York. So I mentioned off the very top, you hosted a free youth camp and the 586 showcase in Michigan over the weekend. I'm curious, what was the turnout like and what was it like or what's it been like to host events like that for you? Yeah, me and one of my best friends from back home, we, uh, you know, me being a walk-on, him being almost Mr. Football and being under-recruited, we just feel like our area has been under-recruited and underappreciated for a really long time. In 2019, we did the 586 showcase, which is an invite-only um, camp for people in our area, Macomb County, and we invite college coaches, and it was one-on-one, seven-on-sevens, individual, um, and we had a good turnout, and then with COVID, things kind of were messed up, and we kind of did a makeshift one last year, and then this year was our first year doing all three camps in one weekend. We had three camps, the youth camp Friday night under the lights. We had about 120 kids, and then on uh, Saturday between 2 and 4.30, we had a 7th through 10th grade like elite skills camp to kind of give kids that are going through the college process or, um, you know, to get ready for our showcase we have at the next level, but to just put them in front of, you know, how a camp environment is for kids um, before they end up in that environment of going to one-day camps and stuff. And then from 6 to 8.30, we had our 586 showcase, which is 11th and 12th graders. And, uh, you know, we have college coaches out, and, you know, they do some different agility work, jump in and one-on-one, seven-on-seven, and, um, we ended up with about 83 kids for the 7th and 10th grade camp, 87 for the 11th and 12th grade camp, so about 300 kids and throughout three camps. And it was a good turnout. Everything went smooth. Uh, I think all the kids had a really good time in all three of the camps, and you know, we're excited to kind of create an next year into a whole entire uh, you know, community weekend with fireworks and bouncy houses and all types of stuff along with you know, a weekend full of football from a Yeah, I'm thinking about attending that myself. I like that. That sounds like a blast, actually. And actually a really good thing to do. So, good on you. I've got a, we have a senior in high school who plays baseball, and he's at a showcase event right now in Arizona. So, I know I think a lot of people listening have kids that are going through the process, trying to get to college, and know exactly what these opportunities mean. Tyler Conklin is a tight end with the Jets coming off a career year and getting a great new opportunity now with New York. Tyler, great to have you on. Thank you so much. Let's do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Jim. Hey, listen, I understand that investing can be really confusing, especially right now when people start throwing around terms like meme stocks, altcoin, and shilling. With all that jargon flying around, it can be hard to figure out exactly how or where to start investing. Getting your money right is easier with SoFi. It's the first investing platform to offer stocks, ETFs, automated investing, and cryptocurrency too, all in one single app. So whether you're eager to get started with investing or you already know the ropes and you want to diversify your portfolio, SoFi has your back. No commissions on trading stocks and ETFs, plus no account fees or hidden fees. Use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks, even if you don't have a couple of grand lying around. And complimentary financial planners are ready to help you with any questions, whether you're stuck on where to start or you need help deciding what to do next. What I'm saying to you is... Cut through all the jargon. Make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Rome and learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open up an account. That's SOFI.com slash R-O-M-E. 
Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. All investments involve risk, including the loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results or future performance. I may not get to another player player profile beyond this one, so I want to make sure that I get this in. In fact, I may have saved the best for last. Well, according to the guy... I saved the best for last because, according to Vic and NoCal, Vic and NoCal is, quote, the single most influential clone in the jungle in the last 20 years, end of quote. Like, is that true? It doesn't even matter if it's true because Vic absolutely believes that it is so. And he brings that confidence and that swagger and that edge to his calls. Vic has been a main event mainstay ever since he first broke in back in 08. He was the champ at SmackOff 16. He's hit the podium four times. He's got seven top fives. And he busted the hell out of a recent SmackOff slump to snag a second place last year when he made this call. Well, we all know Rick in Buffalo likes to keep a bucket of piss next to him when he calls. He also has this hill that he likes to call from because he gets a good signal up there or something. Well, do me a favor, okay, Rick? Next time you go up to your little hill, take the piss bucket with you, and when you get to the top of the hill, stick the bucket over your head and put the car in neutral, all right, buddy? And stop acting like you're some kind of hard-ass, Rick. Dude, you're like five foot four. I could super glue you to the front of my car and turn you into a hood ornament. And I would, except your big-ass nose would block my view of the road. Holy crap, Rick. I bet you can smell the future with that thing, man. I mean, with that schnoz, I'm not sure if I should call you Rick and Buffalo or Beaks and Buffalo City. Rome, you know Rick and Buffalo's nose operates on Tom Coughlin time. It always arrives at meetings 10 minutes earlier than he does. So that was a big bounce back for Broadway Victor and reinforced the point that he is a threat. He's still dangerous and he is still very much a threat. And Vic loves to set things on fire. And by things, I mean other clones and smack-off rivals. Essentially, that is his calling card. Devastating, targeted takedowns. But he can pull off an impersonation as well, as Matt and L.A. found out all too well in this legendary call from a couple of years back. Ladies, mujeres, if you're mesmerized by the menagerie of man candy and the mud in L.A. montage, then holla at your boy. You know where to find me. Down on my knees neck deep in some toilet I'm having on clog because some Delta Bravo frat boy jammed a big old turd in the pipes. Romy, since the days when you would call the man Ray Knight, Ray Lopez, because his wife Nancy was better at her job than he was at his, your boy Mud in L.A. has had your back, pimp. But that's not why I called Victoria in NoCal. Er, Victor in NoCal. Er, in NoCal. And I call him that because nothing but crap comes out of his pie hole. And trust me, if there's one thing I know, it's crap. I clean it up all day long. Plus, I'm a Raiders fan. You got that, you supercalifragilistic, supercilious scoundrel. Aloha means a hola. As in, I got a whole lot of toilets to clean up. (laughs) I'm telling you. Fick. Jeff in Southfield is like the master of clone impressions. And his John in New York is his magnum opus. But the Matt in L.A. impression 
that you just heard from Vic gives Jeff's John in New York a legitimate run for his money. I mean, that Matt Nelly impression was so freaking good that a lot of people missed it because a lot of people immediately turned off their radios as soon as they thought they heard Matt's voice, like they always do. Except that wasn't Matt's voice. That was Broadway Vic providing an all-time jungle moment. Like, when you're that dirty, that nasty, that vicious, that cutthroat, you're going to make enemies. And nobody in the jungle has more enemies or maybe is more flat-out hated than Vic. And Vic, by the way, would never have it any other way. Vic and NyQuil. Dude has the personality of a dial tone on Percocet. Now you're like the Dallas Cowboys. There's no doubt you have the talent, but you always turn out to be just average. You won a title years ago, but nobody is buying the tradition crap anymore. Vic's like the old family dog who you finally got to put down. You feel terrible about it, but when all he's doing is running into walls and peeing on the carpet. There's no other choice. Is there anything worse than Vic and NoCal calling every day this week? And Rome, I know Vic isn't calling somebody else horny. The only difference between Vic and Jim McElwain is access to a shark. Vic, you're the Ian Poulter of the smack-off every year, buddy. You're always in the lead after Thursday, but once the weekend hits, your score takes a sailor dive into a pile of rocks. Vic, you are a worthless Word gypsy. Vic, without Jim Rome, there is no Vic in no Cal, okay? You exist because Rome allows you to exist. Where are you going to go if Rome kicks you off the program, Vic? You think that crappy Dan Patrick show is going to take your calls? See? People hate Vic. People who matter hate Vic. Feel free to hate Vic. Everybody does. But just know the dude loves it. And I'm here for it. I like it too because Vic is the heel that this jungle needs. Hey, what's up, Rome? You're welcome for the vine. I'm not saying Caleb isn't skilled with the ladies, but if he were a Star Wars character, his name would be Hand Solo. Shawnee is really fat, Rome. I'm pretty sure he's been doing some of that intermittent eating. That's where you do nothing but eat for 16 straight hours, and then you take a nap. Wake up eight hours later, and you do it all over again. Little Alvy's an animal. Dude, that guy gets more ass than Kelly Clarkson's Lazy Boy. Brad? There's no need for you to constantly be kissing Rome's ass the way you do, my man. Romy, God bless you for taking my call, Romy. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't called you, buddy. You know I love you. I excel in the boardroom. I excel in the weight room. I excel in the bedroom. These hacks are like a bunch of maggots. They eat up all the bad takes, the lame jokes. They gobble it all up, man. Well done, maggots. Well done. I invented the RSVP call. I invented clones interacting on social media. I'm the single most influential force in the jungle in the past 20 years. Everywhere you look in the jungle, you see my influence. Brad spends more time talking about cranks than a 1920s mechanic. Cabo Nation, I take all those smack-off titles of yours and slap a big fat asterisk on them, right, bro? Because those were all before my era. Shawnee the Asterisk in Houston. Yo, Romy, what's cracking, kid? I'm doing outstanding. Mark, you're a nerd, all right? You make Steve Urkel look like Suge Knight. Clones, I got the touch, I got the power, and that's what makes me a winner. I'm a star, man. I'm a big, bright, shining star. This dude is great. Vic and NoCal. Stuck nuts got him at 5-1 to one at last check, or the last I checked. He has already got one strap. He is looking to rip a second one. He hit the board last year. If he brings his A game Friday, he absolutely has enough to win this thing again. He's already won once. 
So, Victor, bring that A game. Everybody else, brace for impact. Dan in Denver. Dan, what's up? Jimmy, happy smack-off week. Hey, I enjoyed chit-chatting with your producer, Tom, when he screened my call a minute ago. Um, And I call him Producer Tom, not because he's your producer and his name's Tom, but because that's literally his Twitter handle, at Producer Tom. Yeah, man, I just told him I was caller Dan, and I wanted to talk some bleep on Virgin, Caleb, fat-ass Jeff, and unemployed actor Mark. I guess we just clicked because we're talking now. Uh, Jimmy, I am alarmed by his lack of social media presence. Jimmy, I don't think you should be so active on there that affects his job performance. No names mentioned, Adam Hawk. But, Jimmy, it's definitely alarming that he only has 2,000 Twitter followers, especially considering 1,800 of those are Mike and Andy Burner accounts and Brad and Corona unsurfed crank parody accounts. Jimmy, I can tell you from Jersey from that haircut, that hair's so greasy and unhealthy, Ritz stomach growls when he walks into the room. With that greasy, slimy look, he looks less like a member of your XR4TI and more like someone who would try and sell me an XR4TI. And, Jimmy, I like that Benny and Wisco had three hours on Friday night to sit on Woodscopes and prank call Najee Davenport. Don't run me, Jim. That actually happened. But he doesn't have three minutes to call the jungle. What's next? Is a smack-off champion alive to eat the event instead of calling in <laughs> Mike and Indy? Jimmy, I missed the early days of the smack-off where guys would just call the show two weeks out and just relentlessly beat the holy hell out of each other. Now they just go on wood scopes and play grab ass and prank call jungle celebrities. So, Jimmy, I don't really care if you put me in on Friday. I think I make the show better. If you think I make the show better, great. I'll be there. But here's what I want. I want Jeremy in Green Bay, Matt in Vancouver, Tyler in Edmonton, Jeff in Southfield, Benny in Wisco, Mark in Boston, Rick in Buffalo, Somebody call in and take your shot at me because I'm looking to fire back. But listen, guys, after I hang up the phone on Friday, I stop being a caller and I go back to being a listener. And please don't make me listen to Gino in San Antonio, Silk Bra, or that stupid dog in Buffalo and his stupid joke. That's all I got, Jim. I'm out. My man, Dan, I will see you on Friday. Off the watch list, back into the field. We go to Wichita. Drizzle. Drizzle, what's up? Yo, what's happening with you, Romy Rome? How you living today, baby? Good, dude, good. How about you? Yo, man, I can't count it. You know what I'm saying? But it's all gravity, baby, because I know I'm going to be in a smack off. Look, last year, Rome, I told everybody that they were better off lighting a match, pouring gasoline on their bodies, and running through hell than to say my name. Rome did one single caller in a record-breaking moment for the jungle say my name. Not that I recall, bro. Never happened. You know why? Because y'all scary-ass dudes keep talking and talking and talking, and ain't nobody walking the walk that they say. I've been homeless. I buried my family. I buried my pop and my brother in the same grave sites. I buried my aunt the same year, my grandmother the same year while I was being homeless, sleeping in shelters. And y'all think that there's any possibility that you got something for me you're wrong. Dan dude just called in. Somebody say my name. Why? Because he's already got something for him. He ain't got nothing for me. Ain't none of one of these clowns got nothing for me. And I'm going to keep it 100 with you right now, man. I'm sitting in a brand new whip 
right now. While y'all bus is talking about Driz ain't never been through the struggle. You ain't never been through the struggle. And if you've ever been through the struggle, you ain't never been able to man up with the cojones to get it done yourself. Begging for a handout from your mommies and daddies and your girlfriends and anybody else that would give you something. I take what I want in life. Y'all mad for the gloss. But don't understand what it takes to survive in the jungle. Not just Rome's jungle, but the concrete jungle. I'm out here balling every single day. Golden ticket, mine. Rewards, mine. I take what I want, and I go, and I get it, and I don't ask for permission. I just go and snatch it up because that's the life I live. That's who I am. Drizzle ain't a name, fool. It's a way of life. Too much drizzle make you drown. Too cold to drizzle, too slick for y'all. Y'all don't understand. You want to play with the bull, then you're going to get the horns. So, Dan the man, I'm begging you and everybody else this time, say my name. I double-dog dare you because you ain't got nothing for me. Now, Rome, what's my name? Freaking drizzle. My man. Here you go. The Wichita bully drizzle in Wisco. Benny, what's up? Hey, sorry, George. And uh, I, I like, Jim, how you said come different after uh, Tyler called and talked about his tan skin and hockey. And uh, drizzle, 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 drizzle. You mentioned a lot of things that you had buried. You should bury that sassy attitude as well, buddy. And uh, I just want to make one thing crystal clear, Jim. I'm not calling in right now because Dan in Denver wanted me to. Uh, people who submit to Dan in Denver's demands don't exist. But Dan was right. I was on the wood sculpts the other night, and I had to face one of the most hard-hitting questions that anyone has ever asked anyone when 12 Wood said, Hey, uh, Benny, uh, so, like, what do you think of Paul's dog? And I, I wasn't quite sure how to answer at the time because I'm not familiar at all with Paul's dog's catalog, but I think I got it figured out. I feel the same way about Paul's dog's calls as I do about Dan's calls. You guys remember when COVID first hit hard and everything closed down and everyone was staying home every day and night and drinking like Steve Elk and streaming TV until there wasn't anything you hadn't seen already on every platform? Paul's Dog is like when uh, Netflix or Prime or HBO Max would hype up and release a brand new movie. You immediately paid attention to it because it was something new, but halfway through you fell asleep, and by the end of it you realized it was just a boring pile of canine crap with no real rhyme or reason. That's kind of how I feel about Paul's Dog. But that's not why I'm calling today, Jim, believe it or not. I'm not calling about Dan in Denver or Paul's Dog Balls. I'm calling to let you know that unlike Alvy showing up to his place of employment, I will be there Friday. I will have more lines than I. Ray Craig at a toilet seat convention, and I will drop the Wisco hammer on all these silly boys and girls. Uh, before I get out, Jim, a quick ATP. Is Brad and Corona a smack-off caller, or is Brad and Corona what Jeffrey Dahmer ate and drank for dinner last night? I'll talk to you Friday. Thanks, dude. You will too, bro. <laughs> you will too. Dahmer's dead, so I don't think he had any dinner last night. George, what's going on? What's going on, Ben Smack? How you doing, brother? Dude, I'm great. I'm great. It's good to hear your voice. All right, so for those who hey. do not know, explain first what the show is and where you can find it, and then bring me up to date. What's going on? Thank you, bro. Appreciate that. Hey, yeah, post Smackoff show, bro. We go at the top of the hour, 2 o'clock Texas time. Hey, bro, I'm, I'm proud and humbled 
to announce that this is our 15th, brother. 15th in a row. Love it. Um, man, I pitched this to Steve right before SmackDown 14. I said, hey, dude, if you get me on the air, I'll take it from there. And, and bro, I just want to talk to everybody. It, it's kind of morphed. It's freaking me out, bro, because it's kind of morphed into we got a lot of participants and all the, the legends are in here. But I'm still after the clones, bro. Uh, I'm, I'm just old school. I'm after this one real quick. Drizzle, drizzle scaring me. That'd be scary, bro. Man, uh, you know, I don't know what we're going to do with him. Man, I'd love for him to call us, too. But anyway, Rome, I'm just thankful. And like I said, I'm honored that, uh, you know, you're letting me do this. And we're going to be there, clones. Uh, we're, we're, we're going three hours. And I want to hear from everybody, man. Just give us a call. Um, let us know what you thought of the show. Let us know what you think about the host. Rome, if you ever get a chance, boy, I'd love a crack at you, man. But anyway, this timing here is very precious, Rome. I just want to say thank you so much. War the Jungle, War the Host, and War Stuck Nigga Radio, bro. I'm out. Later. You got it, George, the pool doc. All right, so first of all, dude, I want to say to you, thank you very much. I appreciate that you guys do that show. Good night now!